Well, my name is Ron Cole. I'm one of the pastors here, and again, it's a joy to, uh, to welcome all of you here this morning. About 25 years ago, I, I listened to a sermon by, uh, from a guy by the name of Stuart Briscoe. Some of you may recognize the name. He was a pastor in Elmbrook, just outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for about 30 years. I uh, had a radio ministry and so on, and, and somebody had given me a tape of his. And I listened to this sermon, and it had one of those parts in it that I just thought that just captured me, right? I just, it was like, it was so true. And I've, I've actually shared it here a number of years ago, but I want to start with it again. What, what Briscoe talked about, he said, you know what, as he looked at his Christian life, and, and I thought this, this, again, this really connected with me, maybe it will with you as well, but as he looked at his Christian life, he said, I think there were really four stages in his Christian life, four stages in, in, in his Christian walk, and so on, and he, he said that when he first became a Christian, all right, when he first accepted Jesus Christ in his later teen years, he said, you know what, the Christian life is really easy, Right? It's, it's really easy. You accept Jesus as your Savior, and then you just wait around until you get to die and go to heaven, right? I mean, that's, that's what it was. What Jesus was about was about getting to heaven when we die. It was about accepting that and about then being ready to do that. But it really didn't have anything to do with how we live today. It really didn't have anything to do with our day-to-day existence. And so he said the Christian life is easy, but it's rather boring. I mean, there really wasn't too much to it. Then he started to read the Bible some himself. He started to talk to some other Christians, and they, of course, informed him that there are some rules. There are some expectations. There are uh, some responsibilities and things that you ought to be doing. And, and then he started to say, okay, well, if that's part of the deal, I suppose if Jesus died for me, then I should be willing to do these things for him. And so he started to put together a list. He, he writes this or says this at one point. He says, and, and he's English, right? He was born in England. After making a number of inquiries... That's what they do in England. He does ask questions. They make in- inquiries. Uh, I came to the conclusion that provided I went to church, didn't smoke, drink, curse, or go to the movies, God would be satisfied. Oh, and I must read my Bible, pray, and I love that, and leave the women alone. Um, <laughs> all this I adhere to with great tenacity. Okay, so he started to say, okay, so there are some expectations, right? I'm supposed to pray. I'm supposed to not curse. I'm not supposed to, to, to go to the movies or whatever it is. And he said, you know what? I really tried to do those things. I, I, I put myself into them with great tenacity. He said, I really committed myself to these things. And he said, then, then I realized that the Christian life is difficult. It, it's, it's not so easy. It's not just kind of waiting around until you die. It's really difficult to try to do these things. And it's not a lot of fun. I mean, it's still worth it, right? I mean, going to heaven is a lot better than the other place, and, and so it's still worth it, but it's, it's difficult. It's a, it's a challenging, difficult road that we are called to walk. And then he kept reading his Bible, and he talked with some other folks, and he realized that those commands and rules and regulations that he had been following were really just in some ways on the surface of things because he realized that uh, there was more on the checklist, like, Love your neighbor, including the cranky ones, right? And, and, and then he read further, and it says, love your enemies. And he started to say, now, hold on, this is really difficult. To genuinely love, to genuinely clear. I can, I can check a box that says I go to church regularly. I can check a box that says I don't go to movies. I can check a box. That just, but to genuinely love, to genuinely serve. And, and, and he said, no, in this, this next stage of my Christian life, I realized that it's not just difficult, it's impossible. He said, I just can't do it. I, I, I just can't do it. And, and then came the fourth stage. And, and he said, I realized that actually it's exciting. 
Because he realized, this is, this is at the heart of what he realized. He realized that it's not about the rules and the regulations first. It's not about doing those things. It's not about those activities. But he said, what I discovered is, is that the Christian life is, is primarily about this. It's about learning to live in the power of the risen Jesus. It's about learning to live in the power of the risen Jesus. And he said, that changed everything. I started to realize that Jesus didn't die for, just die for me on, on Good Friday, but that he rose again on Easter Sunday. And I started to realize that, 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 that Christ was alive in me and, and, and that the challenge of my life was to learn how to live according to that power, learning to live in the power of the risen Jesus. And in some ways, I want to say, for me, I, that became, like I say, 25 years ago, it's sort of like that's the heart of me, of, of what I want to do with the rest of my life. I, yeah, I want to do certain things, activities, uh, and, and so on, but more than anything else, what I want to do is I want to learn I want to learn to live in the power of Jesus. I want to learn what it means to be alive in Christ and to have Christ live in me. And and it's the risen Lord Jesus, not just a Good Friday faith, but an Easter Sunday morning faith where Jesus Christ is alive in me. And and, and as I was thinking about that, I, I had these three thoughts. In some ways, I think I get, for the most part, okay, not completely because none of us get it completely, but for the most part, I get that all my sins are forgiven. I know, I'll never understand the, the depth of my sin. I'll never understand how amazing God's grace is. I'll never understand how I am completely forgiven. But for the most part, when I look at my past, I can say, yep, God has forgiven me all my sins. And, and when I look at the future, I think I get, again, for the most part, there are a lot of mysteries and so on, but I get, for the most part, that Jesus Christ is going to come back and, and he's going to make everything new and it's going to be right and it's going to be good. And, and again, I'm not saying I understand everything about it, but I, I get it and I, and I think I emotionally get it. But it's today. <laughs> it's living between the resurrection of Jesus and the return of Jesus. It's living here that I am still learning. And and I want to suggest that until Jesus comes back, all of us need to recognize that as much as we may get forgiveness of our past, as much as we may get that the future is in the hands of God, our calling, one of our main callings of today is to learn what it means to live in the power of the risen Lord Jesus. To learn what it means to have him alive in me. And and, and I think I'm probably, I pray I'm probably a little better at it than I was 25 years ago. But I feel like I'm just starting to learn. And, I, and I'm just, and, and, and I want to learn more. I want to keep growing in this. And I, and I want you to experience it more and more as well. Because all those other things we do as a Christian need to be rooted in this. All of those responsibilities of loving our neighbor and loving our enemies and all of that, they, they aren't worth a hill of beans. And we can't, it, it's impossible to do them unless, unless the power of Jesus is alive in us. What does that look like? How how, how do we do that? How do we learn more and more to live in the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ? In order to answer that, I want to look at one of the places. There are actually several in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul addresses it. One of the shortest ones, one of the clearest ones, is in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. In verse 18, Paul's going to talk about saying, okay, now all this stuff, you do this, you do this. But in these verses, I think what Paul is talking about more than anything else is this is how you live in the power of Jesus. This is how you live in the power of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to take five or six weeks to work through these 17 verses, all right? We're going to take five or six weeks and just go fairly slow 
and work our way through these 17 verses. Now, in order to understand chapter 3, we've got to understand what Paul has done before this so that we see how, how the gospel works, so that we see how God works. Colossians chapter 1, Paul begins with greetings and, and a prayer of thanksgiving. He thanks God for the Colossians. He thanks God for what God has been doing in their lives. He's so thankful for that. He thanks God for his grace and so on and, and, and all of that. He, he gives thanks, and then, and then he goes on to say you know, that Jesus is alive and he rules. He rules over everything. In chapter 2, he, he continues with that, that Jesus is at the center of everything, okay? His life, death, and resurrection, that that is alone can save us. He addresses some people who have some wrong thinking and so on in chapter 2. And, and, and then in chapter 2, he also says an amazing thing, I think, that sets up the rest of the book, okay? Four chapters in the book, first two are, are setting things up, and then the last three, two are, are, three and four are, are, are living it out. But he says, you know what? We are now, if we belong to Christ, we are now alive in him. And, and, and it's interesting. Paul wants to make it clear that right now, if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, it's not just that our, our, our slate is wiped, wiped clean, but that Christ is now alive in us, that something has fundamentally changed about us. That we are different people, that we are now alive in him. A couple of verses from Colossians 2, uh, verse 12. It says this, Having been buried with him in baptism, having been buried with Christ in baptism, you also have been. If you've got a Bible open, circle those words. You have been raised with him. It's not someday you're going to be raised with him. That's true, we will after we die and are raised again. But this is talking about right now. You already have been raised in Christ. There's something new alive in you. Your spirit, which was dead, is now alive. You have been raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. The very next verse. And even though you were dead in your transgressions and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God nevertheless made, not will make, not is making, God made you alive with him, that is Jesus, having forgiven all your transgressions. We are now alive in him. So what Paul does in here, again, in, in the first two chapters, and he does this in all of his letters, okay? In the first couple of parts of it, Romans, it's the first 11 chapters, but he talks about what God has done. And in a sense, he establishes the facts. That's the beginning, what God has done. And when we get to chapter 3, he's going to talk about how we respond and about what we do in response to God's amazing grace, all right? So I want to read just the first four verses, and we're going to come back to these next week, all right? But, but look at how, how Paul makes this transition. He starts this way. He says, since then, or because, all right? So he's, he's getting into the next part, and he said, since all of this is true, because of what God has done, because, he says, you have been, and again, have been already now. It's a reality. You have been raised with Christ. These are the facts. Since then, because of these facts, here's how you respond. Set your hearts. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. So because you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You see how he does? I mean, right? because of this, this is now who we are. Because we're raised, now we've got to do this. How do we live in that power? We set our minds on the things of Christ. Again, we'll come back to that. Verse 3, he goes back to some more facts. He said, for you died. Again, past tense, right? Not you're going to. You died and your life, your real life, is now, not then, is now 
hidden with Christ in God. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And, 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 and so again, I want to stop here just a second because for me this verse has always been confusing and I think I finally am getting it, okay? And, and so it, this word right here, hidden, is the one that always kind of messed me up. Because what I thought that the, the image I had with that was that Paul was saying, you know, for you died and your life is now hidden, i.e. it's up in heaven, okay? God tucked it away, right? What do you do? When you hide something, you take it and you put it where nobody else can see it. It's, it's hidden away. And so I kind of thought that Paul was saying, well, God took your life and he's protecting it now. He's, you, you really don't belong here on earth anymore. Your, heaven is your home. And so that's where you live. And so that's where you are. That's, I, don't, I always was uncomfortable with that, but that's not, I don't think, what, what Paul is saying. Eugene Peterson suggests that what we should do is take the hidden out of there and kind of move it to the bottom so that we read, for you died and your life is now with Christ and God, even though it's invisible to others, hidden. You get the difference? It's not that, God, we're tucked away. It's just that you can't see Christ alive in me. My real life is Christ in me. My real life is Jesus Christ living in me and living through me. And, and, And you might not be able to see that. Hopefully you can see some results of that. But my real life is invisible because it's Jesus Christ alive in me. That's what Paul is talking about. You died and your life is now with Christ in God. That's what he's been saying all along. Your life is with Christ in God, even though others can't see it. And then again, verse 4, he goes on and does some more facts. When Christ, who is, again right now, is your life, appears, then you, you will appear with him in glory. And, and again, that all ties back to verses 1 and 2. So how do we respond? So set your hearts, set your minds, okay? So all this, what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to do is say, look, this is who we are. And, and part of what I want you to remember, and, and George and I have been preaching this for years, right? I said, it always starts with what God has done, okay? You like the wiggle? It always starts with what God has done. And only then can we talk about how we respond. It always starts there. And then we live it out then how we respond. And again, what I want to say this morning is that the heart of our response is learning to live in the power of our risen Jesus. So, so often I think, again, we get into, and it's so hard when we raise our kids because they're really concrete, so you've got to give them commandments and so on and, and rules and regulations. But really the Christian life is not, first of all, the rules and regulations. It's learning to live in the power of Jesus. And when I learn to do that, when I learn to step in with the Spirit's power, when I learn to do that, that's when my life begins to become obedient. That's when I can start to do those things, and they don't become impossible. They become exciting. And so I want to take another run at it again. We're calling this series Life After Easter. It's life after Easter. Jesus Christ is risen. We're waiting for him to come back. And in the meantime, in the meantime, we're learning to live in the power. So uh, let me just say all this again in another way real quick. Three basic facts of life after Easter. When we think about where we are right now, as I've been saying, we are alive in Christ. But we are not yet fully alive. (laughs) Uh, if we were, Paul wouldn't have to say, put away these things, get rid of this, do this, don't do it. We just do it. So we're not yet fully alive, and that's why I say again, we are learning to live in the power of the risen Jesus. This is a mystery, okay? This, it, this is, and, and this is probably why, um, I mean, I tend to be very kind of rational, left-brained. A lot of our tradition that we have here tied into tends to be pretty intellectual and categorizing things. This confuses us because it is just a mystery, okay? 
It is just a mystery of what does it mean that Jesus is alive in me? What does it mean for me to live in the power of Jesus? Honestly, right? I mean, I can't compute that. I can compute a lot of things, but I can't compute that. Paul knows this. Let's just one more jump back to Colossians 1 verse 27. He says, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, and that is to the Christians, God has chosen to make known to them among the Gentiles, the glorious riches of this mystery. What is this mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is a profound mystery. This is an, and, 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 and so when we're talking about doing this, when we're talking about learning, that's why, I, in, in some ways, this is, a, this is something we're going to be talking about again and again and again and again and again, because this is just such a, a, a challenge, but it's so exciting and it's so wonderful. I was trying to get a picture, an idea of, of what does it mean to live in the power of Jesus Christ. And I thought back to just a couple of weeks ago when my brothers, my brother-in-law and his brother-in-law on the other side all went kayaking. I mentioned this before, on the Colorado River. Uh, we were below the Hoover Dam, all right? And we actually started about 12 miles below the Hoover Dam at a place called Willow Beach, if you've ever been out there. And we kayaked upstream, for 12 miles. Now, before you think we're too amazing, I mean, it was pretty amazing, but, but there's not a really great current there. I mean, there's a pretty strong current, but when you got by there, you could do this. There were some places where it was tougher, some places where if you're out in the middle, you, there's no way you could move, some places where we were working as hard as we could just to make a little bit of progress, but we went 12 miles upstream. We got to the Hoover Dam, and um, the, the, there's a bridge that goes from Arizona to Nevada, uh, Nevada's on the left, Arizona's on the right, the Colorado River divides it. You see the Hoover Dam behind there. And then we did an amazing, wonderful thing. We turned around and we started going with the current. And let me tell you, it's an awful lot easier to go downstream. Uh, that's actually me on the left. Uh, it's a lot easier to go downstream. Um, one of the ways I know this is downstream is because we're not paddling. Okay, we're just kind of going. And, 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 and when you're with the current, you can do that and, and, and so on. And, and on one hand, there's just some truth to that. On the other hand, we also learned something. We, we learned that there were places where the current was stronger and places where it was weaker. There were places, even in this, where there wasn't any white water, where there were places where, where it was, it, it, you could get going a little faster, places where you'd have to work less. And, and so there were places like this where, you know, again, you could just see some, some ripples, and you learn to, to try to figure out, okay, where do I go through this? Because when you get in the right spot and something like that, when you do that, when you catch the current, it's so much fun. You start to move, and you really start to go, and you're carried along by that current. And so you, you learn to read the river. You learn to start to say, okay, I want to be over here. I want to be over here. I want to be here. I want to go through this place, and I want to go through that place. And you learn to catch that current. You learn to move forward. And I thought, that's a little bit of a picture. We want to learn to live by the power of Jesus. That, you know, as we become Christians and we're alive, in a sense, you know, just by, by the power of the Spirit in us like this. But what I'm talking about is learning, is learning day in and day out about how do I find those places where God is moving more? How do I put my life in a place where I can catch more of the current? How do I experience more of the power of Jesus in my life? And, and, and I think as we learn to do that more and more, God puts us out in deeper and deeper water. This is not us, but someday. <laughs> I mean, that water baby is moving. <laughs> it's to live in the power of that current. To be that much in line with Jesus, right? Think about that, right? Isn't that, isn't that be just awesome to know? That just, again, it's just like, okay, I'm catching that place. And God is just sending me soaring with the Holy Spirit. That, that's a little bit of what it's like, okay? 
to, to, to live in the power of the risen Jesus Christ. You can use other images. If you're a sailor, think about that. Uh, I, I mean, you know, just catching that wind as you go along and, 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 the, and the, just pushes your boat along. But learning to live in the stream of that power, okay? We're going to use Colossians 3, 1 through 7 to do this. And, and it's going to be five, five things here um, that we're going to do. The first one is, is kind of what I've already mentioned, learning to see things God's way, setting our hearts and setting our minds. We take a new perspective. I'm not going to do that today. That's good news, okay? <laughs> we would be here too long, and I've learned two shorter sermons is better than one longer one. So we're going to come back and do that this time, all right, next time. So learning to see things. Then the next week, we'll talk about, Paul goes on in verses 5 through 11 to say, you know, you got to keep taking things off, okay? you got to keep fighting against things. you got to keep watching out. If you think about, you know, say, you got to make sure you don't have too much junk on. you got to make sure that you're not getting into the bad places. Keep taking things off. you got to put some things on. Okay, 12 through 14, he's going to talk about clothe yourselves with, with compassion and kindness. You've got to put some things on. You've got to nurture peace. Let the peace of Christ, Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And then verse 17, do everything, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord. And, and again, I want to suggest that verse 18, he starts to talk about some specific things that we do. But what he's doing here in verses 1 to 17 is he's just saying, this is how you live in the power of Jesus. You set your minds, you take off, you put on, you, you nurture peace, and then you learn to do everything in the name of Jesus. So, like I said, I, I, I was going to try to get into the first one today, but um, we're, we're not going to. So instead, what I want to do is I want to just finish by sharing with you um, a, a spiritual exercise, all right, a spiritual practice for the end of the day. It's, it's a way to reflect on your day. Um, this actually is, is rooted in St. Ignatius, if you've ever heard of him. It's called the examine, but I, I, um, I, I put it in a little different form. And, and don't worry about saying I've got to write all these things down because I printed some things up for you that you can grab if you want. But, but this is what, and, and it takes maybe 10 or 15 minutes, and any of us can do it. And what it's about, it's about learning to see where God is at work in our lives. Okay. And I think it would just, I'd just challenge you to start doing this this week. Again, find a quiet place. I know some of you mothers are going, there is no quiet place in my house. Try to find one. Try to find one. And then do these five things. First, ask God for help. Take a deep breath and say, God, I want to I see my day through your eyes. Will you help me? God, will you just help me to, to, to think about my day and see where you were active and so on? Then give thanks. Let one or two things come to mind. Say, God, thanks for that sunrise. God, thanks for that great lunch we had. God, thanks for this. Just two or three things. Just give thanks. And then the center, the third one, is kind of the, the center point of it all. It's, it's review your day, asking, where was God? Where was God at work? Where did I maybe miss him? Uh, again, it doesn't have to be real long, but just, and, and again, this is why you can do this. Um, you can do this while driving, keep your eyes open. But right, just to kind of say, okay, God, and, and you, okay, I got up and we had breakfast. God, were you there? Where were you in the breakfast? And then I went to work, and on the drive there, I know that Satan was in front of me when she wouldn't turn left, and the arrow was green. God, I know you were with me because I turned left at the right time. I, I mean, what? And, okay, maybe not that. But, but where were you, God? And, and, and what's happening here? And, and it, it, it's again part of learning to live in the current, trying to learn to live in the power. You're, you're going to start to learn to say, okay, I'm better at seeing God, where God is working in my life. 
And so, and so you continue to go through your day. Some people do this at noon for five minutes and at the end of the day for five minutes, ten minutes, whatever. But just to reflect on that and to review your day and say, God, where have you been? Were there places where I missed you? Were there places where I didn't see you in another person? Review your day. Admit your shortcomings. Confess those sins. Deeply aware of God's amazing grace. And then look to tomorrow and say, God, help me tomorrow to be a little more attentive to your voice. I, I, again, it's, it's it, it, I mean, this is all this, I can give you verses for all this, is, but this is part of, I think, one of those practices when we talk about how do we learn to live, and, 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 and specifically, how do we set our minds, right? This is one of the ways that we can set our hearts, set our minds that we're going to talk about next week, is, is by learning to do this, by just taking some time and saying, God, where were you? Because then you'll start to say, God, where are you? <laughs> And God, where are you going to be? And, and, and it just has shaped so many people over the years. Now, like I say, you didn't need to write them all down because I did make up these little cards. Um, and, and I can always print up more. But they're by, on the tables where the Bibles are on each of the doors. Okay, if you want to grab one on the way out. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, ask God for help, a little instruction, give thanks. And, and maybe you just, again, let this, let this guide you. All right? And, and, and let's just see. I, for me, a practice like this, helps me to recognize that Christ is alive in me and God is active in our world. And I can, I can reflect on that. So, as we close, three questions. First, again, and this is just one that we, have I received new life in Christ? You know, none of this makes any sense unless, unless indeed you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. We're made anew and made alive. And if you haven't ever done that, then talk to me after the service if, if, if I can help you with that. And, and then I'd like you to just think about how am I doing catching the power of Jesus? How am I doing catching the current of the power of Jesus? Where would you, are you saying, I'm, I feel like I'm in a really good place and I'm, or I feel like I am in an eddy that's just spinning me around or I have no idea what you're talking about, Ron. I, you got six weeks, but I think you're just nuts. That's okay, that's okay. But wh- wh- where are we with that? And, and then just, am I hungry to grow? Am I hungry to say, God, I want more of this life? And, and I don't know what God's going to do, but I want to learn more and more every day because I want to get the faster water. I want to be more and more in line with what God is doing. And so let's learn. Let's learn wherever we are to live a little bit more in the power of the risen Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, this is a mystery. Paul nailed that one. It, it, it sounds true. We read the words. We know it's true. But, Father, help us to learn how to do this. For some of us, it feels like learning to dance when we don't have a lot of coordination. It feels awkward. So help your, have your spirit, Lord, help us to, to have you become our vision, to have you become all that you want us to become so that we can learn until you come back to live more and more in your power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We respond by bringing our gifts and offerings, so I'm going to invite the deacons and service leaders to come forward, and we're also going to sing a a couple of songs of, of commitment and response at this time as well.
Once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way, the sin that promised joy and life, and led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will, and if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. But as I ran my hellbound race, indifferent to the post, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to as we sing in commitment to our God. Now, Lord, I would be yours alone and live so our eyes upon Jesus Christ and that we would be in him alone.
Again, <clears throat> following our service, um, there's going to be folks in the prayer room. If you'd like to talk with somebody and uh, pray with them, they'd be happy to meet with you. Now, as you go from this place, know that the grace of the risen and living Lord Jesus Christ goes with you all. Amen.